0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. First Kings, and uh, find chapter 19, very familiar passage of Scripture. We'll read this in just a moment. Uh, a review of this series, we've been, we've been preaching a series called Freedom from Despair, and the first message was out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. You, you might have been here, you would remember it by the, the little song that we came up with and some sign language as well, and that would be, uh, oh, very good. Yeah, you'll know, why a few of you got that. It's available online. It'll help you. You'll at least laugh at the antics of some people in here. Really, a lot of fun. And what the messianic scripture of Isaiah 61 and the release of joy. It's good tidings. Come on, peace to all men. That as the the angels told the shepherds. And so we went on to preach that, and then went to the second message in the series out of Psalm. 42 and 43, really, they're, they're, they're probably uh, meant to be together, but you can read those. They're a tremendous psalms, psalms of David, and he, in the psalm, talks to his soul. And I talked about how some of you just need to tell yourself to shut up because you've got nonsense going on in your head and you should tell yourself to be quiet if you're talking nonsense. Come on. A healthy believer talks to himself. If you're talking to yourself and you're not a believer, that might be scary and and potentially in need of help. But Christians, a healthy Christian talks to himself. Yeah, you can talk to yourself. And so the psalmist, David, he says, why so downcast, oh, my soul? Hey, stop being downcast. Put your hope in God. He's, He's talking to himself. And we talked about that, about talking to yourself, talking to your soul, talking to God about your soul. Talk to God about the different things. So we gave you a how-to, if you will, to to break out of despair. And so tonight is going to be a little bit different. Uh, It is Freedom from Despair, part three. And uh, going to get technical and deal with some things that you probably don't hear in church too frequently. Um, Have you ever been depressed? Don't raise your hand. You say, I have. I have too. Depression's no fun. Despair is no fun. A spirit of heaviness, says the King James, indicates that it can actually be a demonic thing, and that's certainly true. But if you've ever been depressed, or maybe you're prone to depression, you know that's a part of uh, being in a fallen in a fallen world. How many know there's no depression in heaven? The enemy of your soul wants you to get depressed, wants you to get despairing, wants you to give up. The enemy of your soul wants you to throw in the towel. I was uh, ministering to uh, a brother this week, and he just was so overwhelmed at the amount of opposition and difficulty and the impossibility of his situation in his own mind. How many of you know that there's that's a contradiction, the impossibility of his situation? Why is that a contradiction? Because there's no such thing. As impossible there's no such thing as incurable there's no such not in the kingdom there isn't because God does miracles God releases power and so what might what is impossible with man is possible with with God and that really is a, a neon phrase from this Christmas season as Mary said how can this be well it's impossible with man but it's possible all things are possible with God and so if the enemy can get you over into despair as he did this brother, it can really destroy your life. And he began to make decisions based on the despair and the hopelessness that he was experiencing. And I'm not talking like a day of despair and hopelessness. I'm talking week after week after week and he couldn't break out. He just couldn't. And, 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 and the fascinating thing that i found is that the enemy frequently weaves in truth. So one of the most poignant attacks on your soul is depression or despair but it's woven in with a bunch of truth mixed with like a uh a, a steroidal shot from hell. And it gets you confused and perplexed and if you you can really get lost in that. And I remember hearing the plans and what was going to happen and I he said so you know that's what we're going to do and I I said, yeah, no, I don't know about that. I need to pray. Let me pray for you. I went and prayed. The Lord spoke to me and said, it's, the, it's demonic. Call him back and break it off. I called him back with my hair on fire. If I had hair, it would have been on fire. I called him back with great zeal and passion. And I said, it's not God. In the name of Jesus, lift your hands right now. He lifted his hands, began to weep. I prayed for him. The thing broke and his whole life's different. So now for the past few days now, total liberty. He's like, I don't even know what I was thinking. I'm like, I know. (laughs) How many of you know that can happen? You know, you can't serve God by yourself. The monastic movement was really not of God, although the Lord used it to preserve the word. How many of you know what the monastic movement is? those dark ages where the Word of God was preserved also got pulled out of the hands of people. It's not God for you to serve God all by yourself out in the mountains with the birds. This is my church. It's not even a biblical concept, really. I can experience God in the mountains with the birds, too. But you can't substitute this online. Listen, online, praise God. Virtual church is not real church. It's a substitute. Thank God for it. We've got people online. We've got people in Samoa. But I mean, when you're there in Samoa, let me just say this. There's going to come a point in the service where God's going to touch some of you beautiful people in Samoa. And you might not have 20 below weather like we have, but you have other challenges. And the Lord's going to touch you when that moment comes. If you're together, if there's a group there, I don't know. You know, you lay hands on, on each other. You pray, because I'm going to tell you, people are going to get free tonight. I said, people are going to get free tonight. Don't just, don't just listen to something like, oh, that's nice, a little radio broadcast, oh, a little tape, and just turn it off. Don't turn it off. Follow through. Signs follow the preaching of the Word. So, are you all there at First Kings 19, starting in verse 3? It's the story of Elijah. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. How many of you know he's probably having a bad day? If you pray that you might die, you are most likely struggling with depression. If you pray, just kill me now, it's very possible you have despair going on. Have you ever prayed that? I have. I'm glad God didn't answer it. You prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. I want you to say that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Come on, somebody say, I've had enough. Come on, say, I've had enough, Lord. He says, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Wow. Elijah is a a towering figure in the Old Testament. And he did many, the seven major miracles. And he has just defeated the prophets of Baal and turned a nation. He's, he's basically turned a nation. He had a national revival by what he did. And there are some things that took place for him. And I think this could be part of the problem. See, I don't know. Pentecostals, I, I was talking to a brother today who's more Baptist. Uh, he's not a part of our stream. But Pentecostals have a, a stigma there, there's an opinion about many Pentecostals. Are we Pentecostals? Yeah, we're Pentecostal. Yeah, we are. But there's a stigma about Pentecostals and that, oh, that's just the yeah. devil. No, you pulled your card out. You swiped it until you ran it up to five grand. Now you have no money to pay your... That, that was you that partnered with the devil. But when the devil pulled... Flip Williams. Was it Flip Williams? Williams. Yeah. The devil made Flip Wilson. The yeah. devil made me do it. Yeah, the devil didn't make you do nothing, but but he can push you and dangle carrots, but you choose to do it. So there's, there's sort of a, a sloppy church, Pentecostal stigma. And I think it's largely because it's probably true. We'll just bind and loose when really you need to bind your own, your own self. Somebody said, I'm Pentecostal. I, I, believe there's, I don't believe there's a devil behind every bush. There's at least 17. But it could be if you look at, if you look at this and then study with some modern, uh, psychology and understanding. Now, please don't hear me wrong. I'm not against psychology. I'm all for biblical psychology, but the Bible's gonna take first place. So I'm not gonna try to dismiss. There's people that try to dismiss God's word through their experience. No, your experience needs to line up with God's word. So, but it's just interesting when they have archaeological finds that then line up with science, but I'm never going to line myself up with science against God's word. Does that make sense? So biblical psychology and biblical counseling using uh, psychological principles can be, can be, it can be powerful. And so when you look at the life of, of Elijah and all that he did, and now instead of like... I mean, here, come on, he's, t- he's trash-talking all the prophets of Baal. What's the matter, guys? Huh? Is Baal sleeping? Why don't you yell a little louder? I mean, this guy's got it going on. Bold, fire, zeal, and he just delivers a nation. W- what happened? One girl with makeup, by the name of Jezebel, says, I'm going to kill you, and he runs. He's afraid. What ha- why would you be afraid of a girl with makeup? I can list a couple of reasons, but why would you be afraid, Elijah? You just, defi- just delivered a nation. I got I to share this. It, it, my, listen, I, I sing random songs from the 70s, and I have certain things that pop into my mind that might be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the raging Cajun, what's his name? Uh, Jesse Duplantis. Jesse Duplantis was talking about how he would be in airports and he would have women come on to him in the airport. And so he developed a technique and it was a powerful technique. And so what he would do if a woman came on to him at an airport... You know, there she is. Are you Jesse? Mm. Just come over and slink on over. He would say, whore! Whore in Babylon! Whore in Babylon! And she'd like, ah! And she'd run off, and he would be safe. Well, that's not what Elijah does. He doesn't, he doesn't yell, whore in Babylon. He's afraid. Why is that? Why would he be afraid? Some of you guys ought to deploy that on the job. That might help you. Just don't tell him you come to this church. Hey, Listen, you do whatever you can to stay out of adultery and from getting snared. That's what I say. And uh, what if you offend a few people? At least you're still married. You mature and grow up and you can repent. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> the, 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 the issue, I think, possibly, is that Elijah had some biological and emotional challenges going on. What do you mean? Um, he's exhausted. I'm just telling you, when I'm tired, my wife knows. And I don't know, as I've matured, I'm still maturing. I'm still growing up. Anybody else? As I've matured, I, when I get really tired, I, I get like flu-like symptoms. I think that might be a gift from the Lord because you don't want to hear any counseling I have for you when I'm tired. Because I'd be like, get a grip, take your hands, your bootstraps, and pull yourself up, and get back to work, okay? You know, that's not what we need to hear. How many of you know we need compassion sometimes? When I'm tired, I, I, I have a tendency to, to make errors. There's a whole thing called decision lassitude. How many of you have heard that? For all of you business owners, you understand where your prime place of making decisions is. It's usually in the morning, but not before your four cup Americano, your four shot Americano. There, there's there's a, I'm a, there's a place of prime time where I make heavy decisions. And I get in the later afternoon, and I'm really tired, and I've made a lot of decisions. You know, they figured this out, this decision lassitude. Uh, CEOs and executives many times have given away all the menial decisions. They don't even drive some of them, so that they can focus on the real important decisions worth maybe lots and lots of money that affect lots and lots of people. You can make so many decisions that you get tired. And I think he had, I think he had a, a, an emotional weariness and a tiredness in your notes, post-adrenaline depression. That is actually a real thing. Some of you might experience it after the birthday of a king. On Monday morning, on Monday morning when there's no more practice and, and you're all done, and you're just like, oh, oh, oh. It, you can go through experiences that are so amped and so hype and just amazing and then find yourself in a place of lowness right afterwards. You got to be careful of that. Is that a demonic thing? I think it's just a biological thing. I think it can be attributed. How many of you know you don't have a glorified body? How many of you know your glorified body does not have an endocrine system? Okay, so we have a fallen flesh here and you're gonna, you, get, you stay up, you get tired. If you're out there in your birthday suit at 17 below, you're going to get cold. And if you work real hard and have this moment of elation and high energy, you're gonna, there's a fallout of that. You need your rest. And I think he had fallout. I think he had post-adrenaline depression after events. We've seen it. Listen, Monday, you know how many, you know how many pastors resign on Monday? I'm not even kidding. That's not, I'm not even joking. Like there's surveys out. When did the pastor resign? Monday. Why Monday? Because Sunday can be intense. We have certain staff members not here, but years gone by, just the way that they were wired up, every Monday they quit. Every Monday they'd go into Dr. Morocco. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it anymore. And it's because they just weary. The disor- disorder of the endocrine system, thyroid, Hashimoto's disease. Listen, Jesus can heal you of all these things, but please understand also that if you hype, a hypothyroid can really affect you. It can affect your weight, it can affect your emotions, it can affect you. Hyperthyroid can affect you. On and on and on. I'm no doctor. Menopause. Me- <laughs> menopause let me read this to you. Menopause is a term that marks the end of your menstrual cycle. So obviously he's talking to women, not those that identify as women, but actual women. <laughs> it's, diagnosed, it's diagnosed after you've gone through 12 months of menstrual period, without menstrual period. Pardon me. Menopause can happen. I'm reading right from a medical journal here. Menopause can happen in your 40s or 50s, but the average age is 51 in the United States. Menopause is a natural biological process, but the physical symptoms, such as hot flashes and emotional symptoms of menopause, can disrupt your sleep, lower your energy, or affect your emotional health. There are many effective treatments available from lifestyle adjustments to hormone therapy and, of course, prayer. So that can actually affect you. You could be going through something because of a hormone imbalance. I'll just pick on myself for a moment, moving past menopause, and talking about sugar, for instance. If I... You did good, right? Huh? Hallelujah. (laughs) If I eat a lot of sugar, which I love to eat, but it works in me in an emotional way that's not good, I constantly have to overcome that if I'm eating sugar. So, you know, your metabolism, disorder of your metabolism, that's an issue. Neurotransmitter problems. Neuro what? Neurotransmitters, I have no idea, but I've been reading today. Neurotransmitters are powerful chemicals that regulate numerous physical and emotional processes such as cognitive and mental performance, emotional states, and pain response. Virtually all functions in life are controlled by neurotransmitters. So you could have a dysfunction there, and that could be affecting you. What do I do about that? Well, you're going to get prayer tonight. We'll believe God to heal you. Amen. And there's other instances. I'm not against, I'm not against hormone therapy and all that. You just really have to hear from the Lord. I know many people that run out to go get some some kind of drug therapy to help them when really they just needed to repent and come to the front and get prayer. Hello, let's move on. Elijah, if you look, he comes to the broom tree, he rests and he's he's nourished, he he receives nutrition and he gets some rest, and the angel gives him instructions of what he's going to do, and he goes 40 days you know, to, to the mountain of God, which is most likely where Moses received the law. He goes to the mountain of God. He goes on the cleft of the rock. And God comes, and what does God say to him? Now, we didn't read it, but what does he say? To you? If you can recall back, he's talking to God. And he's like, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one. It's like, dude, there's 7,000 more, actually. It's not just you. He gets rebuked. He, he gets his thinking altered by God. And how many of you know that's, that's, a, that's a, 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 big, a big thing? He, God corrects his faulty thinking and gives him a plan. He corrects him and says, no, well, that's 7,000 more. Now listen, what are you doing here? here? Here's what you're gonna do. Go anoint this person, go anoint that person and go anoint the prophet that's in your stead. You've almost finished your race. Now go on, go on. Get after it. And he goes. And eventually he goes up in a whirlwind. Take your Bibles and turn to Jonah. Jonah was a depressed fellow. But think about why he was depressed. I'm not sure. Well, let's look. Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jonah chapter 4. Verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. I'll fill it in, give you context. But Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord? when I was still at home. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take my life. He's lost his mind. No, you thought it was just you or your, 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 your other one, your, your, your significant other. No, there's people, come on, th- th- these are people in Scripture. Great prophets here, c- cracked, lost it. <laughs> Take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? I mean, he straight rebukes him. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made, a, made him a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. <laughs> then the Lord God provided a leafy plant. I'm sorry, this is so funny to me. I love this story right here. Provided a leafy plant, and he made it grow up. Over Jonah and gave him shade. So supernaturally, this thing's like, come on, it's not like five weeks later he has shade. He's lying, a thing comes up and provides him shade. For his head to ease his discomfort, what a loving God. And Noah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant, then it withered. Verse 8, when the sun rose, God provided scorching east wind. (laughs) Has anybody ever felt like this besides me? Am I the only one? There's two people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. Again, it says he wanted to die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. Look at that. He's so angry that he wishes he was dead. You thought it was just you. There's other people. In Scripture, nonetheless. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from the left, and also many animals, which is an indication that God is not only interested in people, he's interested in animals. Jonah. The problem of depression is depression. Reactive depression, one scholar called it, reactive depression. a reaction to a reaction to loss. Now I don't know if you've been through. Something where you've really lost someone and then it just tries to settle in. And your reaction over the course of time is a result of a deep disappointment. And even the deep disappointment, and think about this guy. This is disappointment that all these 120,000 people didn't get killed and judged. So he's irritated that God saved them. That's why he's irritated. and his, And his loss is deep... His reactionary depression, a, a, a psych- psychological term, is based on the fact that he wants them all dead. He wants them dead. This is not Jonah the compassionate prophet. Now, wh- why did he want them dead? Well, city of, ne- city of Nineveh, they were fish slappers. They They, they were <laughs> idolaters. They were... <laughs> They were—it's a little bit too many Veggie Tails in there, I think. <laughs> they were—they were one of the most cruel, abusive, demonic, unrelentingly wicked. I could tell you some of the ways that they took care of their enemies, but we would all get sick, and it would be inappropriate. And I would encourage you not to study it. I'm talking grim and gruesome. One of those wicked group of people—the way that they treated their prisoners, and the way that they took, they took capt- captives, and how they took the land. So it could be that Jonah was deeply affected. Maybe his family, maybe his loved ones, maybe maybe he had friends, or maybe he was just so grieving these wicked people. I mean, how could you? I mean, literally, the worst case scenario is what they did to people, and then they killed them. Okay, so. It could be that he's like, if anybody needed to fry, it's these blasted fish slappers. If anybody needs to go to hell, it's them for real. I'm not going over there because if I go, then they might repent and you're going to forgive them. And How many of you know what his real problem is? His real problem is, is he's bitter and he's angry and he's unforgiving and he's taking the place of God. You see what bitterness and unforgiveness says is whatever's happened to me is not enough. I need justice. We need some justice here. And that's kind of what's in Jonah's heart. So when God intervenes, I mean, he gets depressed. Let me ask you this right in your notes. What's the root of your loss? Now I pause for a moment. Think about, if you take a look and you try to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a, a God's eye view. either you a know, bird's eye view, this is much higher than that. It's a God's eye view. A view of your life, ask him to give you awareness, revelation. Why am I depressed? What is going on with me right now? And I've found in the course of struggling with depression over the years, I'm not depressed now. I go through times I'm tired, I take a nap, I eat right, I'm, I'm ready to go. I get prayer. There, I, I, vitamin D, I thought was like a joke. When I first got here, a bunch of pansies have to have vitamin D and sunshine. You obviously need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You get filled with the Spirit, you're not going to have vitamin D problem. Amen? Don't say amen. I, then I'm like three years into it, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? My God. And I'm just like dragging. I'm like, Karen, I just feel like something's wrong, but nothing's wrong. What's going on? So I start praying, God, what's wrong with me, Lord? Oh God, help me. I'm taking a hot shower, just trying to get over it. And the Lord says, son, I'm like, what? He's like, you have a vitamin D shortage. I'm like, oh, I remember I came out, I told Pastor Karen, we went right to um, Toys R Us or wherever it is, Health Foods, and and we got, and we got, just making sure you guys are paying attention, we got some of that liquid sunshine. We all lined up and did shots with that stuff and then I swear, it was like I got saved, born again, spirit filled and had revival. Yes. About three days later, I mean, I just had an encounter with God. It was vitamin D. Some of you are like, so that's what my problem is. Very possibly, yes. But it could also be connected to loss. I was talking to a great woman of God today, and she was telling me that right at the holiday season, and I talked to you about this, about uh, setting you free from a cycle of captivity. Does anybody remember that? Because some of you are like in, in cycles, like just certain times of the year, you hit this thing and you go into a depression, you go into a funk, you can't see your way out of it. And it's if you'll think about what happened at that time of the year, and this great woman of God tells me, you know, I remember Christmas was hard for me because I remember I was underneath the Christmas tree. Is anybody, did anybody else lie underneath the Christmas tree? Lie under the Christmas tree and you're looking up and like, ooh, looking at all the sparkly lights, underneath the Christmas tree and was delivered the news by her parents that we're getting divorced. So what do you think connects there? Christmas tree, lights, tinsel, death, divorce, which is a type of death. And so what would happen then through, the, through Christmas time, it would just be this heaviness. And I love what she said. She said, I, there came a point when I started feeling this sorrow, started feeling this sadness, and I realized I know where it's from. I know the root of the loss. And I said, now, in the name of Jesus, that's enough. That's it. Spoke to her soul. Spoke to her body. Did you know that you could hold trauma in your body? What do you mean? Where's Dr. David? Dr. David, you're released from your, your duties. Dr. David, come help me preach. You can. You can have trauma hung up in your body. And literally, because you've gone through a car accident or gone through an emotional event, that you can hold it. Oh, I feel some stress. Am I right, doctor? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Right. So so we see something called an emotional release. So people will have um, what you described, Uh, tragic events tied to it, and they will emotionally say that they can't do something. For instance, uh, someone hurts their shoulder, and they say, oh, I can't work anymore. And then all of a sudden, they start going down this this track of, well, I can't work. I can't send my kids to school. I'm going to lose the house. I'm going to lose my kids. My wife's going to divorce me. And then all of a sudden, it goes down. So I see it in my business when that pain is removed the person and all of those emotions are instantly released and when it's instantly released all of that baggage that's on them is gone and they'll they'll start crying they'll start laughing they'll start and, and we see it here in the church, too, when, when that, whatever that hindrance is that's finally removed, whatever that is that's holding you back, whatever it is, and, and it's taken away, and you finally have hope once again, you see people go through this emotional release where all of a sudden it wells up inside of them, and then it's like it's gone. And it's like this huge baggage on their life that's just instantly released. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, doctor. Would you put your hands together for me? How many of you how many know what I'm talking about? What is the root of your loss? Ask God. Just ask God right now. Now, maybe you don't, ha- maybe you don't have any. Oh, I'm, I'm a pig. I might really. Okay. Thank you. I don't hold a lot of babies. I love babies. I, I don't like diapers that are loaded and I don't like getting barfed on, but I, but I love babies. I love babies. The reason I don't hold a lot of babies is because I lost two. And when I hold, they're still alive, but we're, we're, we're not reconciled yet. So when I, when I hold a baby, I don't mean in a dedication so much, but there's times when I've, I've held children, and it just it touches me in a place of loss. Now, I'm healed of that, but at the same time, it can bring a trigger. And you know, I, I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this, and it's certainly not weird, and I'm not weird. and if I was, my wife would really help me. And the Lord would help me. I'm long away from weird but the lord over the all of these years of being separated from two daughters has would bring children to me and they just come and and they just say things or they grab my finger they do it's like a supernatural thing that happens and it's like a sign from the Lord just to comfort me and say, yeah, I've got your kids and I've got you and I'm working everything out after the counsel of my will. But there was a time when I couldn't even, I couldn't stand to hear a baby cry because it would hurt in my heart so bad. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm picking on myself, but I'm doing that to give you an illustration so that you can look at your own life. Where is the place of loss that's triggering a depression or a heaviness? And, you know, what what are you attached to? In Jonah's case, he's attached to God killing them. He wants to kill them. God doesn't want to kill them. He wants to save them. They all fasted. They all repent. They even made the animals fast. Go read it. Don't lie to yourself. Come on, someone say don't lie to yourself. And Jonah was lying to himself, and God's correcting him. He corrects him. You change your thinking patterns. Everybody say change your thinking patterns. There is um, neural paths of the way the mind works. And there's, there's things that can be etched in there of failure. And so you just repeat these failures, repeat these things over and over. Somebody said, you're brainwashed at that church. Heck yes. Needed a good brainwashing. I have the mind of Christ. One of the things, and I've told you this before, I I stare at my wife. I look at her when she's sleeping. I I look at her. I stare at her. Her face is etched, is etched in my mind. It's etched in my heart. Men, specifically, let me just tell you. You know who's on my. You know who's on my uh, on my my phone. This is when we got married. This is my bride. You know, the next picture when I open my phone is us taking communion together. Now, I've done different things. It, it allows for me to, uh, and I'm, I'm not struggling by any means, but it allows me to, to continue to just refresh and remind myself of what an amazing gift God gave me in you. Some of you, when you look at pornography, you think it's just exciting your emotions, exciting you physiologically. No, that's etching and grooving your mind, whether you be a man or a woman. And it etches this groove of, of really to the demonic that releases the same kind of uh, chemical uh, reaction in your body that some say drugs. They say pornography is a new drug. And there's people that are addicted to screens. I've counseled people that can't even be intimate together, children's church upstairs. Mostly. I've counseled people that can't even be intimate together because they stare, they're looking at screens all the time. And literally, each of them will have a screen. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, are you serious right now, Pastor? It's an epidemic. So you got to fight that. you got to change the way that you're thinking. You have to think differently. Somebody say, think differently. I remember I remember Dr. Morocco correcting me. I was so frustrated. It was probably 10 years ago. We were trying to move forward on some things, and we, we were just blocked, and I started perceiving the blockage as something that was created by man instead of that which is actually the Lord was ordaining. I started losing my perspective a little bit. I'll never forget what he said. Pastor Daniel, you're not thinking right. Now He's been my pastor for, gosh, going on 30 years, okay? There's no one that knows me better, except my wife. But Dr. Moronko's my spiritual father, and I've listened to him. I'm a 30-second counsel guy. 30 seconds all I need. Tell me what's the Lord saying. Boom, I take it. I go. I apply it, and, and I get victory. Been doing that for years. So when my pastor tells me you're not thinking right, I just go, okay. <laughs> Why am I not thinking right? And he tells me, and, and the Lord helped me, and I have to, you have to, some of you don't change the way you think. You still live like the old man in your head. Just, come on, someone say, change your thinking. All right, one more, one more. One more. First Samuel Saul man Saul First Sam First Samuel 16 Is anybody getting any help tonight? Go to verse 14. well you just need to pray in tongues listen I'm all for praying in tongues but then when you're praying in tongues let God show you what's going on with you and then change and then take some corrective action get some accountability learn the word stop thinking stupid thoughts change your behavior change your thinking which changes your behavior get out of the groove that you're in and start making some new grooves I've re come on some of you need to get a new groove I've I've changed my mind And you know, some of those things have taken a long time. And maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that's me. I'm just thinking like, couldn't you have done that? But I'm also grateful that he's trained my hands for war. Listen, it's a lifetime walking with Jesus. You don't know how long your lifetime is, but you walk with him and talk with him and renew your mind and take action on the word and don't just sit there and point to some devil or somebody else. Quit being a victim. Rise up and change your life. Change your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be in poverty anymore. I said you don't have to be broke. You don't have to be on an emotional roller coaster. You don't have to marry Tarzan every time that beats you up, head and shoulders, with with uh, you know the vines swinging from the swinging from the chandeliers. Coming home drunk all the time. You don't have to do that. I would highly advise you don't do that. Get out of the jungle, Jane. Many people have like a self-fulfilling prophecy. See, in themselves, they see themselves as losers and worthy of nothing. And because they don't really know who they are in Christ, they'll come to church. Perhaps I see it in church. I see it outside of church. Outside of church is normal. You think when you get into church, you get transformed, but that's not always the case. I've seen people 20 years in the church, they're just as dead as when they walked in. I've seen others that just were like, man, I am going after God. I'm going after them, and they aggressively change their lives, and they pray, and I don't know all the reasons for that, and I'm, I'm not going to judge the eternal judgment over somebody. We just pray for people, and God knows I was a hard-headed, stiff-necked, it's like some of you. I was. I was very hard-headed. It was kind of the way my personality is. I don't know why that is, but you know what else is good? couldn't turn me now. You'd have to shoot me first. I ain't turning. I ain't turning back to the old thing. I'm gonna go on full of fire, full of power, full of zeal. I'm gonna, in Jesus' name, you can help me walk with humility and accountability. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna get rebuked. I'm gonna repent a lot. I'm gonna keep doing the deal. I'm not going back to the hell that God brought me out of. No way. There's no way. There is nothing back there. All of my strongholds are in God. And if there are any that aren't, Lord, would you please show me which ones those are so I can change? I started saying, but I've seen people come in and because they don't learn who they are in Christ, And their identity, they never, they never really become the new creation that God's intended them to be. So what they do is they continue to make self-fulfilling prophecy about their life. Like there's, they're no, have no value. They have no worth. I see with women oftenly, oftentimes where they'll then connect with or marry someone who abuses them and the abuse of, of, of their husband. And it can go the other way the abuse of the wife, but the abuse of the husband. I see with women mostly that in that abuse, it almost satisfies and fulfills what they really think about themselves. So I'm really like a loser, so, so I should be treated like a loser. And no, you have to understand, ladies, men, that you're royalty, that, you, that you've been grafted into the kingdom of God. That the old is gone and the new is coming. That your sin is washed away. You're a saint. You're a, you're a holy one. You've been born again. You've been made new. You don't have to smoke pot. You don't have to have self-fulfilling prophecy that destroys your life. Get healed. Get healed. Change the way you think. Rise up and become all that God's intended you to be. Don't settle for what God delivered you from. Settle for what God set you free from. Rise and become all that God's called you to be. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, 1 Samuel 16, are you all there? Verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now I need to stop and say, well, where would the Lord get an evil spirit Old Testament, I just want to say this very quickly and move back into the message. Old Testament sees more of a sovereign view of the Lord that all things came from him. But when you go to the New Testament, it's like you see demons and devils running like cockroaches and you clearly see what Jesus is like. So they didn't really have it all together in the Old Testament, so there's like an evil spirit went out from the Lord. The Lord doesn't send an evil spirit to you. However, if you depart from serving him and get over into sin, there is an evil spirit from the enemy that will definitely attach, can, can possibly attach itself to you. Can you say amen? amen? Saul's attendant said, see an evil spirit from God's tormenting him. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play. the lyre. That's an instrument. And he will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and he will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. So one of the servants answered, I've seen the worship team from King's Wasella <laughs> Playing with excellence, doing anything with excellence, will cause you to be elevated. Okay. One of the servants answered, I, I filled that in. That's somebody said. He said, I've seen the son of Jesse, Bethlehem, who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking, and the Lord is with him. And Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took the donkey, loaded with bread, skin of wine, young goat, and sent him with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. And Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service, for I'm pleased with him. And whenever the spirit from God, in other words, whenever an evil spirit came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play and relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Saul's story is a profound one. And before you start picking on him, he's the only one that, that he created, the standing army. He did a lot of amazing things, but he sinned. And his sin was then opened up a door for him to be brought into depression and despair by an evil spirit the evil spirit. Depression was co- depression caused by an evil spirit. Write in your notes. Evil spirit came through sin. Came through what? Sin. The remedy the remedy for sin is repent. Repent of sin and forgive others. See, how do you know if your depression comes from sin? Well, first of all, if you have sin, just repent and, and, make, and that'll, that'll help take care of it. You know, I have depression, but I I only have a, a little, repent of your sin anyway. Forget about the depression. Repent of your sin, and, but it could be coming from that. Does, does anybody understand what I'm saying? Worship team, please. Take steps to be healed and delivered. Now Saul took some steps. It's a picture of the anointing and the power of God coming through a vessel, David in this case, bringing an, an ease and a comfort to Saul, but it wasn't, it wasn't a deliverance. Saul never repented. But take steps to, to be healed and delivered. Like tonight, you came tonight. Now, I know many of you didn't know I was doing part three of freedom from despair. But when you run into things and in difficulties, don't do what Adam did. Run and hide and make some fig leaves to cover your depression. Run and hide and make some have some tactic to try to cover your, no, you're naked, you're ashamed, come to the Lord, let him cover you, let him heal you. Don't run away from God, run to God. Everybody say it, run to God. Don't run to the drink, don't run to the bar, don't run to the dispensary. Don't run to to retail therapy. Some of you online shoppers, and lose your ever-loving mind. You feel good for like a second. Then the bling wears off, and you're still left with the same heart. You lean on things that don't satisfy. Isaiah 55. Oh, it says that ho. Oh. Or is it oh. Oh. All oh, you who are thirsty. This is so good. Come on, turn there, Isaiah. Hmm. Oh, somebody gonna get free tonight. Somebody gonna get free. It's for freedom you set me free, Isaiah. It's for freedom you set me free, set me free, set me free. I got the J O Y N I V. Lame going to the another version. Let's try New King James. Ho. It does say ho. I was oh. Ho. Ho. Verse 1. Isaiah 55. Ho. Everyone who thirsts come to the waters. You see we all thirst. In fact the word the Hebrew word is nefesh. One of the Hebrew words for soul is nefesh. And it also means Thirst. And if you try to get satisfied by anything else but God, it really is an idol. And in that, it can actually open up the doors for depression, sickness, disease, oppression, demonization. Listen, if you keep yielding to the thing that God has rebuked you of and clearly talks about in his word, you think you're not gonna end up with a problem? Like, in what world are you living? What realm are you living in? No, I'm a believer. Yeah, I know act like one so I've got these issues my father okay my father too whatever I'm not my father I'm not my mother I'm a man of God purchased by the blood of Jesus. Anybody else in here? And even though I might have had a certain mindset, even though I might have had certain generational things, I'm not going to live by my DNA test where I spit in something and they gave it back and say, now you have a propensity for for, uh, uh, walnut disease or whatever it is. (laughs) Prostate walnut, whatever. <laughs> no, let it prostrate, the prostate, the prostate runs in your generation. I'm not running into my generational life. Prostate. Yeah. No, you know, that's how it is. That's how it is. Bro. That's how it is, you know. It is what it is. Yeah, not in my world it is what it is. I, I I'm subject to the rule of God. The greater one lives on the inside of me. Depression, anxiety, fear. No, 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 no. No, no, uh-uh can't play i ain't playing not today satan okay so your father so your mother so your brother whatever you don't have to be like that you can be changed long line of divorce not my family i'll never be divorced that that curse ended it's under the blood say it's under the blood lift your hands to jesus Lift your hands to Him. Begin to declare the glory of God over your life. Begin to declare the promises of God over your life. Don't rehearse your failure. Don't rehearse what's going on in your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister. You are not them. You have been purchased. You have been redeemed. Ask God to show you a place of loss maybe that's connected to your depression. Oh, I know maybe you're not depressed tonight, but you go and teach this and preach this to somebody else. Come on, the Lord's able to help you. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Come on, lift your hands and talk to God. Pray in the Spirit. I will tell you, I pray in the Spirit a lot. And when I pray in the Spirit, He shows things to me. He reveals things to me. And then I can repent or take steps and action to change things. Come on, lift your voice tonight in Samoa. Lift your voice online. Depression, you must go. Heaviness, you must go. Fear, loss, we command you to go. Isaiah, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend money on what is not bread? In other words, why do you do things that don't really bring the result? Wages on what does not satisfy. Listen to me carefully, says Isaiah 55 and verse 2b. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear. Come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. 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 The Greek word for live is Zoe. It means real life. It doesn't mean just exist. It means life and life to the full. That is God's plan. That is God's intention. Not for you to be on a roller coaster up one day, down the next. God knows what's going to wake up in the morning. Your family's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, here comes dad. Oh my gosh. He's okay today. How many of you know that's a trauma way to live? Come down, you're happy or angry, ready to hurt someone and freak out. Coming home from work, that—that's not how your family should live. That—that's not God. You know what? In the new in the new year, I'm going to preach on being filled with the Spirit. And a part of your family and what that looks like, a, a spirit-filled family, a, a family that's full of the Holy Ghost, and what that looks like day in, day out, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Gonna help you. Got a new series, started working on it today. Why? Because it's not taught. And and the Lord has given us some, some nuggets on how to to live this amazing life. As I bring this to a close. Number three, live in God's presence. There's nothing like your presence, Lord. There's nothing like your presence. Nothing like your presence. There's nothing like your presence, Lord. Live in his presence. Live in his presence. Listen, if you get in my car and you go, you go ride with me, I don't have secular music that I'm blasting all the time. Why? It doesn't feed me, doesn't touch me. I, I, I listen to either classical music, I'm enjoying some Christmas music, skip the Tannenbaum ones. And mostly I'm listening to worship. Why? Because it feeds me, it strengthens me. Power of God, all my hair standing on end like... Some of you are feeding... with you and you think you're not going to have the in your flesh you're grooved your mind to boom chick, boom chick. you chick. Gro- you groove that thing come on somebody say lord help me live in god's presence that's not that's more than here if we would have People that would be full-time worshipers. I know we have many and I commend you for so many of over, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just telling you that there's freedom from depression. There's freedom from everything that the enemy has assigned to your life in Christ, in Christ. But you have to take it. How would it be if somebody served you roast beef, $17.50 a pound right now? Wheat and turkey (laughs) for Christmas. (laughs) We did some other substitute. I don't know tofu burgers or something. How would it be if somebody served you up your, I mean, just the most incredible piece of roast beef, perfectly cooked asparagus, aspergrass, with hollandaise sauce, garlic mashed potatoes. Horseradish, a little, little doppel of horseradish on the come on somebody and you serve that and you're just like you just eat the asparagus I'm a vegetarian that's not my point my point is my point is as God lays a banqueting table before us don't receive the grace of God in vain the Bible says you just take some things for granted and not transform your life the reason there's not a worldwide global revival is most Christians never really become who God's intended them to be and they live in a place of depression a place of fear they live in a place that's far beneath what god has purchased they settle for mud cakes instead of a vacation by the sea says c.s lewis god has a vacation by the sea he has real life for you all right we can be used to help others i wanted to put this in here I met a guy recently, and i was witness been witnessing to him for a number of weeks. So I popped in to say hi. I said, hi. How are you doing? Good, good. How you gonna? I said, hey, I used to do what you guys do. They go, yeah. I said, yeah, I was in sales. They're like, they're like one person says, yeah. He says, you, you mean you used to weep inside? You used to weep, in? used to weep internally? So I said, I, I, I used to do what you guys do. And the guy says to me, you mean you used to weep internally? I said, no, that's not what I meant, but I, I did used to weep internally. I moved in. That's an invitation. I'm coming. If I ever see sl- cuts on people's arms, they're getting the gospel instantaneously. If somebody's walking around crying and having a come apart, I'm going to help them. Listen, you are some of the, you're the only Jesus some people will ever see. People are, oh, well, they're just having their personal moment. Maybe that personal moment can be set free by the power of God flowing through you. I walked over to him and it was a corporate environment. I walked over to him, he had tears in his eyes. I said, come here, man. I wrapped my arms around him, I grabbed him and, and, and I wouldn't let him go for just a second. I prayed in his ear. I, him, I don't know if he's a believer. I just prayed, oh God, help him. And then I invited him to church again. I said, you don't have to be like that, it can be set free. Come on, you can be healed, you can be set free. God desires to use us to help others. Write in the notes. God desires to use us to help others. Say it again. God desires. Ask God for compassion. My gosh, I, I, I need that. I, I, Lord, to give me compassion. I sometimes don't have that. Well, you deserve it. <laughs> I keep myself from thinking those things, but I don't have, I don't have the compassion of God all the time. Especially if I'm tired. Ask God for compassion. As the temperature in the room reads 100. Number three, as we close, listen effectively. Listen to people. Listen to what they say. Try to help them listen. I could have just rolled over, you mean weep internally? <laughs> you mean weep internally? <laughs> That's not a normal joke. I caught it. And I went up. I'm stepping into the weep eternally. Weep eternally. That would be horrible. That's hell, I guess. Weep internally. was an invitation. Believe with them that God will give revelation and bring healing. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, Go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.